Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a, another edition of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan Sided Network. I'm your host, Peter Panacey, associate editor of NinerNoise.com. And oh, what is this? Got some exciting news for everybody here. I'm not alone. Guess who's back? The one, the only, the esteemed, the illustrious Robert Morrison. Robert, welcome back. It's great to have you back from paternity leave. I imagine you're a uh, full-fledged member of the uh, No Sleep Club. Uh, I got to imagine that, uh, that the family's doing well, baby doing well. Good to, good to see you back on here, man. Yeah, it's good to, good to be back and, and doing things in the world. Um, I, you know, I need, need, need a couple of normal things to, to reflect uh, off of all the, the changes elsewhere in my life. So I'm, I'm definitely happy to jump back into things. You know, I, it, we, we, it kind of floated the idea of, of seeing if, if it was time, if it was time, if it was time, I think this, uh, this, uh, this last uh, victory week 18 definitely felt like, you know, it's time to jump back in, but um, yeah, everybody's doing well. The kids already five and a half, almost six weeks old. So it's just crazy how time flies um, as we move along. So it's going to be a lot worse. It's going to be a lot quicker. <laughs> that's <laughs> what, yeah, that's, this is true. Well, I appreciate you jumping back in as the bandwagon yet. You, you're like, okay, well now the 49ers are, are in the playoffs <laughs> and, and, and suddenly you're back. That's right. Back into the postseason discussion. You're like, okay, Hey, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, kick things back up again. Yeah, but, I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about it when it was all up and down. Like, are they good? Are they not good? We don't know. Now that, now that yeah, we're, who, who we feel a little better about it and like, let's, let's do this. Yeah, and, and and boy, talking about doing this, I mean, I'm I'll be the first person to admit that I was pretty harsh on on Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. during that game. And watching that final drive, you know, it was cool. The Niners came back and and then you know tied it on that Debo Samuel touchdown pass. Yeah, Debo Samuel touchdown pass. What? Um, <laughs> that was cool. But then when the 49ers were poised to take a lead, Garoppolo throwing his second of two interceptions and then the Rams turning in that into a, you know, a touchdown lead. And then there's like, okay, there's no way that, that Garoppolo is going to come back from this. 
Uh, but then he does, you know, no timeouts, less than a minute, hits Juwan Jennings for a game-tying touchdown. I mean, it was insanity. I, I mean, I imagine you're watching this game. It's Fox yeah. Sports Game of the Week. Like, literally, what were your emotions during that game? <laughs> I feel like I'm Aaron Andrews asking, what was going through your head? Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was definitely yelling at the television, like, get him out of there uh, after about the first quarter because it was pretty – He looked. I mean, he looked – awful like for the first quarter Garoppolo did like he looked uncomfortable the ball was coming out of his hand all funky uh that first interception I mean I know he was getting hit while it was happening but it also came out of his hand really awkwardly nonetheless like he didn't get hit like so hard that it felt like it was gonna throw the ball off that trajectory yeah so I was just I'm I'm like you know screaming at the television like get him out of here like it's done like he can't he cannot do this like clearly he's he's finished and then all of a sudden, you know, Sean McFay comes out, dances in the end zone, and <laughs> like they get three points at the end of the first half, and, he, and you're starting to go, okay, maybe, well, maybe he's all right. Like it, it, and then all, and he just, I, I, I mean, that was like the textbook definition of like growing into the game, um, <laughs> if I've ever seen it. Like if he, I mean, we talk about like good Jimmy and bad Jimmy. Like we got both good Jimmy and bad Jimmy in in the course of the first of one game, which very rarely happens with him. Like he's generally either one. He plays a a good game or a bad game. You don't usually see like one bad half Jimmy and one, you know, excellent half Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, I was right there with you. And then and then when they had to punt the ball with, you know, about two minutes left to play in the game. Um, and, and I'm going, okay, well, I, I, you know, that I, this it's over, like uh, more power to you. Like you made it, put in a good effort. Thanks for nothing. Falcons. Um, <laughs> uh, and then they got the ball back and I, it, it was this up and down thing again. Uh, the first pass that he completed was okay, great. But then the next pass is he dumps the ball off five yards to Juwan Jennings. And I'm like, Oh, oh okay. We're toast. Like we don't have any timeouts. We can't be throwing the ball five yards down the field. And then the next play is the long one to Debo. And it was just this up and down all game long. And I'm sure you were feeling the same thing, but yeah, that, that was too much for, for my heart to handle uh, for for sure. But, you know, glad to get the victory. Um, And, but that was, that was a lot. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I'm definitely happy that uh, it was bad Jimmy in the first half for the most part, good Jimmy in the second half, as opposed to the other way around. Right. Yeah. Which we've been like, oh, the tail end. There's actually, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but there's a nice little uh, meme going around of, of, you know, the Michael Jordan last dance and they have oh, yeah. a picture of, of, of uh, Sean McVay celebrating in the end zone. And right below it, it's, it's Kyle Shanahan's head embossed <laughs> on Michael Jordan's body with a little statement. And I took that person. Right. I was like, that's classic. That's absolutely great. So uh, you know, I was thinking about this um, after the, uh, after the game and really kind of all week, I was just like, where does this rank as far as I'm not going to say best 49er games of all time, because mm-hmm. that's going to be a generational thing. And, and we're going to get into those, some of those games here in, in a little bit when we talk about the wild card round against Dallas, but maybe in the past, like 10 years, like where would you rank this performance and in, in playoffs, regular season, whatever, where would you put, what happened in week 18 is it in your top five in your top three Ooh. top one i don't know where would you put it 
Well, I mean, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's the, the best one, but it's, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I can, I would think it's gotta be in the top 10 for sure. Maybe top five. Um, I mean, you're thinking things like the, the, the last week of the season against Seattle a couple of years ago during the Super Bowl that led to the Super Bowl run. Um, that NFC championship game has got to be in the, the, the running, you know, for that season. Um, uh, you know, the NFC championship game against the Falcons, uh, the last time they were in the Super Bowl with, uh, with Kaepernick and that group. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, those, if you start factoring in playoffs and all that kind of stuff, it certainly um, gets pushed down a little bit, but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of excitement, in terms of just, you know, never, well, I don't want to say never kept you, <laughs> got you bored because after about the first quarter and a half, you're kind of like, well, okay, this is going to be one of those games where it's just going to be gone. Like, and, and the weird part about it is they haven't really been in those situations very often. I mean, I don't think they've outside of the, the Cardinals game with, with Colt McCoy, I don't, they haven't really gotten blown out this year and they, they, they have, when the, when there have been lopsided games, they've been on the other end of them. Um, which is always fun if your your team's on the on the 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 top end of a blowout. So that was kind of weird. And then all of a sudden to see it flip like that, that was that was crazy. But I mean, I, I think it says a lot about this this team, how resilient they are, and the fact that they were still missing key players. I mean, to be missing your all pro left tackle and against one of the NFL's best pass rushes and um is 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 huge and yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it, certainly, I think, in in the top 10 uh, best 49ers games of the last decade or so, and certainly of the of the Shanahan era. If, it's, if you just want to look Shanahan era, I think it's probably in the top five, top six, for, without a doubt. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, you're factoring in, like, playoff wins. I might, I might go back to that crazy divisional round game against the New Orleans Saints way back mm-hmm. in, what, 2012. That was probably, that's probably going to be number one. But... If, if I kind of just say the last 10 years out of, out of uh, regular season games, I mean, this, this might be up there in the top three. Yeah. Really. I, I mean, I think of that, uh, that other saints game, you know, George <laughs> Kittle carrying three people on his back. That was just nuts. I remember that game against the Eagles way back in 2011 with uh, Jim Harbaugh being pretty crazy too. And it was literally <laughs> yeah. like, wow. Okay. <laughs> like the Niners are back really yeah. it's been a long time um and then of course the pick at the stick game like that's got to be up there but I, yeah, gosh I, the emotions that I just had throughout that game and, and again doing what it is we do at least I at least for me like I, I can't celebrate like I normally do because it's like mm-hmm. something happens and I need to write about it or I need to like document or I need to do something so I'm working but man the emotions were so up and down and, and like you said it was, it was a massive roller coaster and and, and, and getting so frustrated with Jimmy Garoppolo saying, Hey, this game's going to be a blowout, put Trey Lance in. you might as well mm-hmm. go out on that note. And then of course that last two minute drill thinking we're watching Jimmy Garoppolo's final drive with the 49ers. Like, this is it. There's no way this is going to work mm-hmm. because usually at least this year, it's like when stuff like that happens, the 49ers have been on the other end of it, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, or you're watching the um, the Titans just chew through the Niners secondary with AJ Brown, and it's like you know San Francisco's a team that can't stop anybody, and the, right. you have too much time or whatever. Well, and so, to be fair, I was I was thinking that a little bit at the end of this game of regulation because the Rams did get the ball with some time left. They also had 
in in timeouts if i remember correctly they still had a couple of timeouts and i was like oh boy here we go like <laughs> stafford's gonna gonna rogers us and he was they couldn't get anything going at the end there so um yeah that was i mean it's a tale of two halves is is the cliche but it certainly was um without a doubt this is one of those games where everything flipped all of a sudden on on strain on a strange on the thing as strange as the 49ers getting three points at the end of the first half like that mattered so much for because to go in you didn't it doesn't seem like it would matter that much to go in 17-3 versus 17 nothing but i think knowing that they had the ball to start the second half to to be able to get a 10 point swing like that and make it a one possession game was just massive. And I, I think if you don't get any points at the end of the half, like they did, I, I don't know if they're able to make that, that happen. Cause they're just the three scores is, is a, a big difference <laughs> as compared to two, even with a whole half to play. So it was just very interesting. Um, Peter, I don't know if you saw this statistic uh, that next gen stats was, was uh, throwing out. Um, so since 2016, which is when next gen stats started, uh, keeping their statistics. Um, this is the lowest um, win probability that has ever been overcome. So at that at that point when they punted the ball at the end of the fourth quarter, they had a win probability of 0.4%. And they overcame that and they won the game. For reference, <laughs> for those of you out there, um, the Patriots, when they were down 28 to three, their win probability was 0.8%. Um, so they act, there's actually a more... Um, difficult uh, win probability to overcome in that last two minutes of the game. So pretty, uh, pretty crazy stuff for sure. Yeah, it, it's remarkable. I, I did see that and, and I was just like, wow, okay. That, that tells you one thing. Um, one of the other things that I noticed during the game, I took a screenshot of it just because it was so outstanding. Uh, at one point in the game, first half, the Rams had gained already 136 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. The 49ers had minus three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're looking at probably about what a third of a slate of a team's offense in a game already done by, by LA. And then the Niners hadn't even gotten into the positive yet. So yeah, absolutely incredible. And you know, an instant classic, you know, yeah. you can rank it wherever you want and put it in the top five, the top 10. But I think that when you're looking back, this is the type of signature win that a team can have and then going into the postseason where you're going to have to be a road underdog, you're going to have to be facing off against powerful offenses. You look at every offense that the Niners are potentially going to have to face in the NFC, all the seeds ahead of them, really. Um, they have formidable, formidable offenses. Dallas mm-hmm. is no different. So you factor in that a Rams team put up a lot of points quickly. Cooper cup was, was chewing up the secondary, like nobody's business. Matthew Stafford in the first quarter looked really good. And then in the second quarter, okay. And then just kind of progressively got worse. 49ers defense finally did its job. But that's the kind of momentum building game that I think you're going to want to see. And it, that's a boost. That's a, that's a massive boost to go out on a high. Now, granted, how much does that translate over to the wild card round? I have no idea. But <laughs> you'd rather go out that way than uh, yeah. kind of limping into a, into a win. And, of course, the 49ers had to win that game with the Falcons losing to the Saints. But, you know, you'd rather go in and win in some sort of decisive or either decisively or emotionally. And right. the Niners got the emotional side of it and pulled off something that they'll be talking about for a long time. We haven't done this in a while. and something that I've kind of wanted to do <laughs> back with you coming back here. But, you know, let's do ups and downs. So yeah. you know, 
give me an up, give me a down. What are, uh, what are some things that you're thinking? Of? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there's lots of directions you could go with that. I mean, the obvious, um, the obvious directions with the, with the ups pretty, pretty easy, but I, I think one guy that is, uh, is getting a lot of love all of a sudden, but I think is worth, worth talking about here is, uh, Juwan Jennings, who is, um, kind of come out of nowhere to take over as the 49ers number three receiver. He's kind of taking over that Kendrick Bourne role of, you know, the, a reliable guy who isn't going to get a lot of targets, but generally will catch them when is, when they're thrown to them. Um, although he certainly made that, that Debo touchdown throw uh, interesting um, by trying to, you know, knock it around four times before he caught it. But um, I mean, he had a, he had a great game um, by and large. I mean, the, the, the passing game for the 49ers was just, was, was just excellent um, o- overall. Um, I mean, most of it, a lot of it was, uh, was Garoppolo getting the ball to the, to the playmakers. I mean, Jennings was, was great. Six for 94, two touchdowns. Uh, Brandon, I had six catches for one Oh seven. Um, but, uh, I think if Jennings is, is, has turned out to be what I think they thought they were getting in Jalen Hurd, kind of, um, not exactly. Cause I think Hurd was going to be more of a, you know, movable piece. Like he can be a, you can be a tight end. You can be a running back. You can be a wide receiver kind of thing. But, um, I think we talked about it when they drafted Jennings in the seventh round a couple of years ago, like he's basically like Jalen Hurd insurance because they have a physical build that's kind of similar. And I, I, I while I don't think he's getting utilized in that same way, um, I, I mean, it's certainly good that he's here and that he's gotten a chance to prove himself because um, otherwise there, there hasn't been a whole lot from, from the receiving core outside of Ayuk and Samuel over the last couple of weeks um, without Jennings. And I think it's, it's really important that, that he's been part of this team. So that would be my, my sort of highlight there. Um, I think he had a, a great game and obviously was super important scoring those two touchdowns. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, you look at, at Ayuk, Samuel, and Jennings all either at or around 100 yards receiving, and, and Jennings in particular. I mean, a big, big-bodied physical presence. Uh, you know, kind of one of those guys who's going to catch a pass on third down, catch a pass in the red zone. You know, do something physical. I mean, he was a college or a tackle-breaking receiver in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of his big accolades when he was at the University of Tennessee. And you saw that on Sunday. I mean, it was physical. And one of the things, too, that I've really appreciated about him is even if he's not getting the ball a lot, and he got, got the ball a lot Sunday, but <laughs> usually that's not going to happen that way. But, you know, talk about a guy who's going to be mixing it up, he's going to be blocking, he's going to be getting underneath uh, opposing defender's skin. Uh, and, and, and I think he appreciates just how tenuous his roster hold might be. Right. Yeah. And he's going all out. And I know Kyle Shanahan has to appreciate that. I think he would even say it's like he called Juwan Jennings. He was a man today. I think that was the <laughs> quote from Shanahan post game. Uh, you know, I think for my up, and, and I kind of debated this a little bit, uh, I, you know, I wanted to go between two people, but I'm going to narrow it down. Initially, I wanted to go with Ambry Thomas because you talk about a corner who is so, I mean, gosh, people were ready to just have him waved at the beginning of the season, wasted draft pick, this, that. Every week you saw improvement, you know, there's bad parts about it, but, you know, finally with the game ceiling inter- interception, that's got to be redeeming for him. I tell you who's going to be the guy who I actually really, really, really was stoked for in this game. And a little, even more than, than Ambry Thomas, and that's Eric Armstead. Mm. 
So you know, it, Armstead's a player who's very easy for 49er fans to dislike. I haven't figured out why. Um, maybe I'm biased because I'm up in Sacramento and he's <laughs> from here, but whatever. Um, I think people kind of have this connotation, a negative one, that 49ers trade DeForest Buckner to the Colts and re-sign or extend, rather, Armstead to this massive deal. And it's like, ah, oh, you kept the wrong guy. You know, it's that whole thing. Armstead does so much of the dirty work, you know, whether it be kind of locking up, you know, multiple blockers and, and you know, if, if the Niners are shorthanded at defensive end, he goes outside. Of course, he's much better on the inside. But the way he's played this season, and if you actually sit back and watch the games and, and, and don't watch anything else but Armstead and the defensive line, his impact is almost immeasurable. And the only problem is so many fans, and I'm not calling fans out, but it's just, it's, look, it is what it is. You look retrospect, what do you look at? You look at stats. You look Mm -hmm. at, you know, tackles, tackles for a loss, sacks. That's how, that's how you judge pro bowlers. That's how you say, oh man, he's been really good. And you think back in 2019, oh, he had 10 sacks that year. Oh, it was great. What happened since? Nothing. Yeah, he sucks. So it was finally so great to see his output rewarded. And of course, Armstead picking up, Two and a half sacks, three quarterback hits, you know, uh, two tackles for a loss. Absolutely fantastic game from him. And, and really that entire defensive line, <laughs> not just Nick Bosa, but you're looking at Arden Key getting after it. I mean, Arden Key's having himself a career year. He had a half a sack. DJ Jones picks up a sack. Uh, it, it, that defensive line, I know that it was kind of doom and gloom a little bit when Javon Kinlaw was lost for the year and then D Ford kind of teased with returning and then ultimately didn't. Boy, if there's going to be a side of the ball that's uh, going to be formidable this year, it's going to be that defensive line. Yeah. All right, switching over to the negative though. <laughs> don't need to go down. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, first of all, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with more. I couldn't agree with you more about Armstead. I think he, he has gotten. Uh, it's, it's just, it's unfair. Like, I mean, they couldn't have kept both of them and Buckner was going to cost more. And that's really all it came down to. It didn't. And he yielded them the highest, the highest reward. So it, you know, it's not fair to compare the two. They're two different players. They play different positions. It's neither here nor there, but anyway, um, gosh, uh, the down, Hmm. This is, this is a tough one. Um, Cause you know, by and large, I think, uh, they played a, a a solid game um uh, you know pretty much from from the go uh, it you know it <laughs> would be easy if we if we did like you know first half jimmy garoppolo that would certainly be the down um and really the whole of the first down i'm going to i'm going to go a different direction though and this is unfortunate and it's going to seem like a shot but um uh, poor mitch wisnowski um is just having a rough go of it over the last couple of weeks um, it, I mean, not through fully fault of his own, although his, his kicking definitely has seemed a, a little bit off lately. Um, and you know, this, the, what happened to him on Sunday and him having to go out was not his fault. And the NFL needs to pay really better, close better attention to the fact that if, if it's illegal for someone to lower their helmet and hit someone with their helmet in some times, then it needs to be that way all the time. Um, that shot that he took was, was certainly egregious and unnecessary, but um, it, 
also, and I, and I get that he's, you know, he's Australian and he's got this rugby background or just, you know, and he feels the need to kind of get his nose into the play, but that could have put the team in a really bad situation. And, and you kind of want to be like, okay, dude, you just need to I, I get it. Like, but also at the same time, you, you know, he needs some help from his, his return units, which have been probably the weakest part of this team uh, through the whole of the year. I think there's an argument to be made that if you, if this, if this was like a league average, you know, special teams unit, uh, this, they'd probably would have won like 13 games, um, maybe 14 games. It's sad. Um so, uh, you know, there's, I, I think this is a game that, that strangely, and maybe this is me sitting here in the, in the, the wake of it and going, you know, rose colored glasses to a certain extent, but uh, he's, he, I think Wisnowski has been struggling for a little while and I think he was put in a bad position. Um, but also that decision to kind of put himself there, um, potentially put his, his team in, in, in a rough spot. Now, shout out to Robbie Gold, who actually, Robbie Gold, sorry, who did a great job actually. Uh, punting the ball um, and ended up, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, um, yes, with a better average on his two punts uh, and a longer single punt than uh, than Wisnowski's two. So there you go. That seems like maybe that's a little bit of a cheap shot, but <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at at this point. That is hilarious. Yeah, you know, it, it, side note, side story. Not hilarious about Mitch Wisnowski. No, 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 no. Bad, but, bad that he's hurt. Uh, and I hope he's okay. The, the um, the Robbie Gould comparison, you know, it was funny years ago and I don't play it anymore, but years ago I used to play Madden a lot and, you know, you can spend your points and like upgrade your players. And mm-hmm. so I'd always upgrade my kickers or punters, <laughs> like whatever. And then eventually once they were good enough, I would just, you know, you could tweak like your special team or you could tweak, tweak each assignment you go out and play. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, all right, I'm just going to cut the punter from my roster, <laughs> make the kicker, the punter. <laughs> And just have that one specialist, right? Holder, yeah. who cares? Put it in the backup quarterback. Doesn't matter. I don't even think Madden paid attention to that. No, it's um, always the backup quarterback, even to this day. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so I'd be like, cool. I just saved myself a position. Like I can go splurge on something else. I always wondered if the NFL is like, why don't you think about that? Right? I, I was and, thinking. I was thinking about it too. After Gold did that, I was like, actually, he's just as good as Wisnowski at this, maybe. Save uh, that roster spot. Maybe, uh, for, I don't know. For the, uh, he's for making the, for the folks out there who think that uh, that kickers aren't people. That one's for you. So <laughs> go out there and have fun with that. I'd have to say my down for this, and it was pretty clear cut during the game because initially it was going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, and I was hard on him. He bounced back. Great for him. He gutted it out. It was a perfect no. Um, but certainly wound up doing a lot of, of good things to help the 49ers win. Kudos to him. There's no way that he's going to get benched in the playoffs unless it's like late and the 49ers are imploding and that's that. Even then, I don't think Kyle Shanahan will do that just because it's Jimmy G's last ride from here on out. However, the one player I was just really down on for a lot of the game and couldn't get out of it was Dre Greenlaw. And mm. I know, yes, he's been hurt this season. This is only his third start of the year right i mean that groin injury has been bugging him but out of position tyler higby was was working routes uh greenland's pass coverage has not been good this year and he had two penalties one was a face mask and then the other uh, unnecessary roughness it, and literally it was just <sighs> frustration with him and mm-hmm. again Look, the 49ers have totally gotten him to outperform his draft stock. He's, he's done some great things. I'm not criticizing him being on the roster. Trust me, I'm not. He definitely makes the 49ers defense better. 
But I think we've reached that point where you could look at Aziz Alshire and say that, yeah, he's the upgrade. And when Alshire is back, he needs to be your actual starting middle linebacker alongside Fred Warner. And Greenlaw can be that number three option. Now, does that wind up being the case into the offseason? I don't know. I don't know. You know, Alshire is a restricted free agent. Greenlaw is still on his rookie contract under control for another year. But that's just that, – that was my thing. And I was just like, gosh, Greenlaw did not have a good game. And, uh, and it makes you just hope that Alshire can come back uh, from his own injury and be healthy and ready to go for Sunday. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does look like – like he and the other the other players who are out for Sunday are are tracking in the right direction. So that's good news. Um it, I mean, it's it's funny heading into this wild card game and as we'll sort of transition into that, I think um here we can start talking about that. Um is they're they the 49ers are are in entering into like they're as healthy of as they've been all year territory, which is bizarre um for it this team that has been like the most injury bitten over the last three seasons, it feels like even, even when they were good in, in the 2019 year, they were still, you know, they missed, they had games where they were missing both their offensive tackles and yada, yada. So it's, it's kind of good news to be like, well, you know, other than the players who've been out all season since week one, you know, Jason Brett, Raheem Mostert, it, it's looking like everything's trending towards most people being back. You know, you got uh, K1 Williams and Trent Williams, both, going to be ready it looks like Aziz Alshire might have a chance to play they activated uh Trey Trey Sermon from the from the uh IR today so you know heading in the right direction which is you know if there's a time to do it now now's the time to do it so I, I mean I agree with you about Greenlaw he just looked like he he was a little over keyed up um <laughs> to you know in played in what when, was it was it the other Rams game when he played so that I don't even remember. It's been a long time because I know he played week one and didn't play for like eight or nine weeks and then came back and then was out again. I don't remember what game it was, but yeah, I mean, I, I get it. But also he's, he certainly was just too much. Like he, he, there's, there was a lot going on and he was just being overly aggressive and it got him into trouble. Yeah. Gosh, I can't remember when, when that last game was. And I think he, he went out and, and had that injury again, but yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe it's it's one of those things where he had to shake off the rust and was a little too overzealous. And, and hey, look, Poirier's won the game, so obviously you're not going to have to look back at, at anything that he did or whatever. Um, Wisnowski going out is something that that totally handicapped the 49ers' abilities to win. I'm going I'm to give an honorable up from the game, and that's going like to be to the, the 49ers faithful who completely <laughs> reddened out SoFi Stadium. That was absolutely insane. And again, it's one of those things that's online. If you see it, like you'll hear it, a uh, certain camera angle of Ambry Thomas's uh, interception in overtime mm-hmm. off Matt Stafford. The noise yeah. that that crowd made, I'm like, that sounds like a home game. And mm-hmm. not just a home game that you'd see at Levi Stadium, but like a home game from the old Candlestick Park days. It was loud. Yeah. And reading some accounts from people who said they were there, it was like literally like, like deafening. So shout out to the 49ers faithful. Uh, you turn, you, you certainly caught Debo Samuel's attention <laughs> and he joked about it because he said, Hey, look, uh, I thought the Rams were pumping in crowd noise because uh, there definitely weren't too many Rams fans. There. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. 
Debo, you, you, your rivalry with Aaron uh, Donald and the Rams. He's, he's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah I, saw, I, I saw somebody, I don't remember who it was, so <laughs> forgive me if you were the person who said this, but somebody was like, every time the, the, the PA announcer was asking whose house is it, it was almost like he was asking because he didn't know. <laughs> because <laughs> you couldn't tell the difference and that that was the funny thing and there was also uh the rams were noticeably using silent counts on offense in at points during the game it's like it's a home game like you the whole point of playing at home is that you can like get everybody to stop talking while you're on offense and you can be loud and then and do your offensive things and then it flips on you're on when the other team's on offense and it was just it was loud pretty much the whole time like for both sides so um, but more n- definitely noticeably when the when the Rams had the ball, which was just weird um, from their perspective. So here's hoping they can they can do that again uh, this coming Sunday. Yep, 100 percent on that. So that was kind of going to be my, my nice little segue into the wild card round. Right. Got you. So uh, I just put this piece together over at, uh, at NinerNoise.com. Be sure to go check it out. And it's it's all it's about the 10 biggest moments in the rivalry between the Cowboys and the 49ers. And some of you younger fans, we're going to get into this a little bit. You might, you're not going to remember for a lot of these <laughs> sort of things. But anyway, one of those moments is actually what happened back in week one of 2014. And it's not going to take you a long time to find pictures of AT&T Stadium during that game. And it's mm. just blanketed in red. It is insane. And so there, I mean, you have this movement out there where it's like Cowboys fan base is like, well, don't sell tickets to 49er fans <laughs> and make sure you're wearing white. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. Wave the white flag. Go ahead. Um, but I have no reason to suspect anything other than a complete reddening of the stands there. Mm-hmm. So be they 49er fans who are now down in Texas or, or fans traveling down that way to make the trip that's going to be something I'm super excited to, to, to see. And, and hopefully it happens. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that I really wanted to, to talk about tonight, we're recording this uh, on a Tuesday evening. So plenty of time to kind of build up to this wild card weekend is the, the, this legacy of the 49ers Cowboys rivalry, you know, and, and you know, Robert, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever asked you for your, for your age. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be willing to bet you probably recall some of those moments from the early nineties and, 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 and my gosh, like the only thing I can think of, and, and, and I don't mean this to sound like I'm blaming everything on millennials. Cause I'm not <laughs> like millennials ruin everything and they've ruined the 49ers Cowboys rivalry. Right? No, that's not it. But you know, it's been dormant for yeah. over 20 years now. And there really haven't been those, classic moments but you know it, there's there's so much history and and rooted hatred between these two teams and if you're a 49er fan and maybe you're on the younger side you know 20 25 years old or something like that and and your knowledge of the 49ers greatness you know the great years of of, of decades prior is from like nfl film, films videos or whatever you still can't encapsulate just how much the 49ers and Cowboys hate each other. And of course, this goes back to the 1970s, you know, the, the, the Cowboys were San Francisco's nemesis. And then again, in the early nineties, and you know, the way I kind of figured this is you've got 
this sort of recency bias where the 49ers number one adversary is the Seahawks, right? You ask any 49ers fan today, Hey, what's the Niners number one rival? And, and probably a younger crowd would tell you, ah, oh, it's the Seahawks, hate the Seahawks, screw Pete Carroll, screw Russell Wilson. <laughs> Still employed by the way. Don't whatever. Yeah, so far. Um, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's the number one rival, maybe the Packers in a little bit, but the Cowboys are so far down on that list. And a lot of it's just because it hasn't been the same. So mm-hmm. again, we talked a little bit about that uh, you know, 2014 NFC championship game that you mentioned is kind of one of those insane games of the last 10 years, including the playoffs that lost to the Seahawks that year, take that game and multiply it by five, yeah. because that's exactly what the pain from the 49ers Cowboys rivalry is. So, again, a little bit of 49er history right here. No team has eliminated the 49ers in the playoffs more times than Dallas, five times mm. over the course of this, this storied rivalry. Now, the Niners have eliminated the Cowboys twice. Yeah. Each of those two games are pretty big. Um, <laughs> you probably remember at least one of them, but uh, five times. So three consecutive years to start off the 1970s, including one game where uh, Tom Landry – Pulled a starting quarterback, threw in, um, oh, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? That one quarterback, Roger Staubach. Yeah, yeah, that guy. And, and Staubach, yeah. 17 unanswered points, and and the, the Cowboys come from behind to stun the 49ers. I think that's still fan-sided's ranking, the number one 49ers loss in postseason history ever, like the, the toughest loss. So forget 2014 NFC Championship game to Seattle. That one was worse. Hmm. So three straight years of losing to the Cowboys in the playoffs. Then you get again into the early 90s, you know, like 92 and then 93. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Jerry, head coach uh, Jimmy Johnson, you know, at the end of one of those games at Candlestick Park in the locker room, how about them Cowboys? Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's a good impression. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that happened from one of those NFC championship games. And much like the Seahawks and 49ers were at the early part of last decade, the 49ers and Cowboys back then in the early 90s, mid 90s, those were the two best teams in football. Yep. Hands down. Those were the two powerhouses. Those NFC championship games were the Super Bowl. Forget the actual Super Bowl. The Super Bowls in those years were relatively boring. <laughs> That's because the it Bills kept making it. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the Cowboys would just dominate. Right. So, I mean, the, the heavy hitters, the, the, the powerhouse, powerhouses in the entire league, Dallas, San Francisco, you know, Steve Young, Troy Aikman. Yeah, Emmett Smith, uh, Michael Irvin, Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders, then Deion Sanders. Yeah, Deion Sanders <laughs> and, like, and then Deion and Sanders Norton again. Jr. And Norton Jr. on the other side. Charles yeah. Haley on one side, the other. I mean, it was insane. Yeah, I remember those years pretty vividly when I was a kid. And then, of course, the Niners in 1994 just saying to hell with this. We're stockpiling, signing <laughs> Deion Sanders bringing aboard Ken Norton Jr. And then that NFC championship game, you know, Eric Davis picking off Troy Aikman, going in for a touchdown early. Steve Young's three-yard reach of a touchdown, one of the best 49ers pictures of all time. Fantastic. So, you know, this rivalry, of course, is, is so historic. And to many 49er fans, Dallas is public enemy number one, hands mm-hmm. down. And, of course, the greatest – moment in 49ers history the catch which coincidentally was 40 years ago yesterday mm-hmm. uh Dwight Clark Joe Montana I mean 
that was the vindication for what had happened 10 years earlier. And, and I don't need to recall the catch. Every 49er fan has watched that replay a thousand times and, and can relive it. But those are the kinds of moments that you get from historic rivalries. And so for the younger 49er fans out there that don't, don't quite get it, um, don't totally understand it, maybe just don't appreciate it as much. I mean, during, certainly in the seventies, I wasn't alive then, but for the eighties <laughs> and nineties, like that was, that was a team that you hated the most. Mm-hmm. Maybe the giants a little bit, <laughs> maybe the Packers a little bit, but yeah. It was the Cowboys. So when you go into this weekend, it might not be the same. The names obviously have changed, but remember that. So <laughs> remember, remember. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely well said. Um, and, and I think part of it is that it's been a long time since these two franchises have been good at the same time. Uh, over the last what 15, 10, 12 years or so, it's been this up and down where the, the Niners have been down, the Cowboys have been up and then they switch. And it's, so it's been, it's been a long time since uh, what did I, I saw something today. It's been a really long time since both these teams have been in the playoffs at the same time. Um, so it's just, it, it's, you know, it's just been these two, the two franchises have been in completely different directions and they've been, you know, one team's irrelevant while the other team is, is making a run and then, that goes the other way and it's just kind of all over, the, all over the map. And like you said, it's been, you know, with the, since the Seahawks have come into the NFC West and they've, they've kind of cemented themselves as, as a terror for the, for the Niners during the early part of, of this last decade, it's, it's, it's definitely more on the, on the forefront of, of most people's minds, but yeah, I mean, those Cowboys teams of the, of the nineties that just kept sending the Niners home and, were always that thorn in their side and um it was you know it you, you just hate to see it and now it's just like we're gonna relive that that rivalry and it'll be really interesting to see if uh if cowboys fans feel the same way about it um there seems to be some suggestion that uh that maybe they don't as uh <laughs> recent trips to dallas might uh might might suggest so we'll see how that goes but yeah i mean, I mean I'm, I'm excited for it i think um it'll be interesting to see how these two teams kind of match up against each other, because I think in a lot of ways, um, this, this current version of both these teams, the, the area that where the one struggles is the area where the other, other team is, is most successful. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see who is able to take most advantage of that. Um, uh, you know, by and large, I think that's what it's going to come down to um, in, in terms of the, of the game. But the rivalry, I think, will be very interesting. And just from a player perspective, it'll be really interesting to see if they understand the sort of magnitude of this or or if it adds a, a certain level of, of extra chippiness to it. Like, um, I mean, the, this this game on uh, on Sunday with the Rams was, you know, the players were talking about how sort of extra, you know, it was an extra physical and extra chippy and all that kind of stuff. And that's division games and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see if it, if that carries over um, with it being the playoffs and then it being the Cowboys on top of everything else. Yeah, I sure hope it does. I, I so does. <laughs> and, 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 you know, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But, no, you're absolutely right about the, the strengths kind of playing right into each other's team's weaknesses. I mean, Dallas skill players, obviously, are – 
are, are, are tremendous. And I know Dak Prescott's kind of had you know, a bit of an up and down year. It's tremendous that he's back and, and healthy, which is great. But I mean, you think of that receiving core, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, a very, very good number three receiver. Michael Gallup, um, don't forget. <laughs> yeah, Michael Gallup's like, I mean, it, it, that's a good receiving core. And then yeah. I wouldn't even overlook um, uh, the, the the tight end down there, uh, Dalton Schultz. Yep. Now, I mean, he had, what, 800 yards and, and eight touchdowns a season. And, you know, you're talking about Dre Greenlaw having problems with coverage. Like, that's, that's a weakness. And I know the 49ers mm-hmm. cornerback room is getting healthy again, which is good, but I, that, that makes me a little nervous, but mm-hmm. At the same time, Cowboys are allowing four and a half yards of carry. You yeah. know, <laughs> this might be a reversion back to what Cal Shanning wanted to do. Cool. Yeah. You've got a great wide receiver core. They look really good standing over there on the sideline. <laughs> you will not <laughs> you touch know, the ball. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, we just had a uh, 11 minute drive that uh, took 80 yards and ended in a touchdown. And, and who knows, you know, that yeah. offensive line is really good for Dallas though. So pass rush might be whatever it is. And, and I know people have been talking about that, uh, you know, Dallas, Dallas hasn't really faced any tough competition. They, you know, they've had some signature wins on the schedule. And I, I get the most of the rest of the uh, NFC East is garbage. But, hey, you know what? All that really shouldn't matter when you get into the postseason. But, yeah, I, I guess let's let's kind of pull our, uh, pull our collective heads together here. Reason the 49ers win, reason the 49ers lose. Yep. Go ahead and go. Um, I, I would say the, the optimistic viewpoint on it is just what you were talking about. Um, their, their defense has, has been, it's been graded out pretty well. If you look at things like DVOA, they've, they're actually the second best defense in the league per that metric, but they've benefited from a lot of turnovers, especially in the passing game. They have 26 interceptions this year, um, led by Trayvon Diggs, who had 11 on his own, I believe, um, but they're pretty boomer bust in that in that regard. They they even though Diggs has eleven interceptions, I also think he's almost given up like a thousand yards um, through the air. Uh, so either he's going to intercept the ball or you're going to run right by him. So he's he's kind of a feast or famine in that regard. Um, but they're they're pretty reliant on the ability to um, take the ball away from you, with the, which they've done pretty effectively. I think they had uh, thirty four total takeaways on the year with um, just twenty. Uh, giveaways, but that also puts you in a precarious situation because if you're not getting the turnovers, then it you're you're going to be in a place where they're not as effective um, against the pass. And then, as you noted, they're 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 kind of mediocre against the run. Um, the four and a half yards per carry, 112 yards per game. Um, DVOA has them at a more modest 16th in the NFL against the against the run. And if you don't think that Kyle Shanahan is sitting in his office right now, thinking about how many times he's going to try to run the football to see if they can, if he can test that um, early and often, I mean, this is, this is not a man who is shy about (laughs) trying the run game. And most other coaches would be like, ah, well, it's not working. I'm just going to give up and try to see if I can throw the ball. Well, not, not Kyle Shanahan. He's just going to keep trying and keep trying. So this could certainly be a, a game where he's like, yeah, we're running the ball 35 times. I don't care what we do. Like 35, 40 times is the, is the goal. And we're going to see if we can hold on to the ball. I mean, we haven't reached that, that magic, like have a whole, a, a drive encapsulate an entire quarter yet. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think the, the, the game plan and the way that the way that the Niners win is they 
shorten the game. Um, that's that's what they've done effectively um, in a lot of other circumstances against high-powered offenses. Um, so I think that's that's how they win. So they shorten the game. They really take advantage of what is a a, a mediocre uh, Cowboys run defense and pick their spots to to throw the ball when they need to and 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 find uh, places for their uh, for their for their receivers to go. This might be an opportunity where we see lots of a lot of uh, Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk getting balls on the edges and and you know tunnel screens and that sort of thing where they can just have the ball in their hands and, and run with it if they don't want to they don't want to run from traditional sets too frequently. But you know that's that's the path to victory as far as I see it. I don't that's um, where I would go. What do you think? I agree 100 on that. That's kind of one of those little <laughs> X factors here uh, that does play into the 49ers' hands, right? And and I don't know if this is going to wind up being quite as extreme as the NFC Championship two seasons ago where mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo attempts six passes. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be that much, but it wouldn't shock me at all if, if Garoppolo's asked to throw like just 15 times. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And it's literally Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell. And we're just going to continue picking up four, five, six yards over the first half and then all of a sudden you're spraying some you know 10 yard games later i wouldn't be shocked at that whatsoever debo no. samuel yeah yeah uh, i guess the reason the 49ers for me either win or lose and it's like here's why they win here's why they lose it, it, it's pretty simple and and that's just going to be turnovers and and it goes 100%. really kind of in, in in more ways than just oh the 49ers need to protect the ball of course they need to protect the ball I, it, yeah, <laughs> football cliche, football 101, protect the ball, chances are you're going to win. Although, Jimmy G did buck the narrative a little bit by throwing two picks and the 49ers won that game. Only the second time this season when the 49ers have won a game where he's throwing an interception. Hey, mm. two and six still isn't great, though, in that department. But uh, so Dak Prescott's not going to throw turnovers. He's only thrown, what, I think 10 interceptions this year. Interception percentage is at 1.7, which is really good. Uh, however, however, Prescott's fumbled 14 mm. times. Oh. So maybe that way. That's a way to go about it. Uh, still, though, that's kind of the one thing that you, that you mentioned. I mean, you talked about Trayvon Diggs and, and him leading the league in interceptions and you know, the Cowboys overall. I mean, they're plus 14 in, in turnover differential, which is tied for first with the Colts. Um, so again, make up the Colts, which you will, and <laughs> Colts are out of the playoffs. So it's obviously not everything. 49ers at minus four earlier this year. I know we talked about it. They were at minus nine, which was right above the, the lowly Jets at the time. So they definitely improved there. But if the 49ers win, it's going to be because they protect the ball and maybe they got a little lucky and, and forced a, a Dak Prescott fumble or, or what have you. But man, I mean, if you think of, of other reasons why the 49ers could lose where you get somebody like 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 Trayvon Diggs, like you mentioned, picking off Jimmy Garoppolo. I, 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 I won't want to live by that. <laughs> you know, Micah Parsons, who's who's got you know three force fumbles on his own, and you know he's great in pass coverage. He's great against the run. He's a great pass rusher. Someone who could easily get to you know, strip sack Garoppolo or what have you. Um, both reasons why the 49ers win. Both reasons why the 49ers lose turnovers that, that, I mean yeah, I, yeah. I really couldn't split it any other way yeah um I, I, I mean I 100% agree and I think 
another reason. I, I think there's another way that this game kind of goes where it just turns into a just a just an onslaught in on, on one version where 49ers can't control the ball and the Dallas offense, which is like loaded as just about as loaded as any offense in the league with all those receivers that you mentioned, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, although he is not the the massive uh, superstar running back that they expected him to be, is still, you know, a pretty solid back um, and does some pretty good things. Um, I know the last time that these two teams played a couple of years ago, he just absolutely destroyed them. Now, granted, that was a completely different team, but, um, you know, he's still capable of doing things. And um, But it's it's really all about the passing game for them. And if they are able to, to get in a situation where they can get comfortable, where they don't feel like they're behind or they don't feel like they have to rush um, and they can kind of run their offense. It's going to be tough, even with, as you mentioned, a, a fully stocked uh, 49ers defensive backfield, which is looking like what we're going to get. And, um, you know, it looks like we're going to get the, the Ambry Thomas, Emmanuel Mosley, K1 Williams, Jimmy Ward, Kwaski Tart group out there uh, for Sunday, barring any major setbacks, knock on wood. Um, but, uh, it's still going to be, that's still, even with your top group from the 49ers perspective, it's there's, you know, as you mentioned, four, five good guys on the, on the other side. So that's, that's why they lose. That's why they would lose is they would find themselves in a situation where that pass pass offense just kind of goes nuts. I mean, they're just coming off a, what do they score? 56 points against the Eagles in, in their last game of the season. Now, granted the Eagles were kind of like, do whatever you want. We don't care. Uh, like we're locked into the playoffs no matter what. So you can only take so much stock in that game, but the Cowboys were certainly like on a mission to just absolutely destroy their division rivals in that game. Uh, and they did. Um, but still, you know, that is something that they are capable of if they are not held in check. And, um, you know, their offensive line isn't as good as it was, you know, earlier on in, in Prescott's uh, career when they were just like, you know, an unstoppable unit. They're missing a couple of pieces from that group, but they're still pretty solid. Um, and that's something to, to watch out for is whether or not this um, vaunted 49ers defensive line can, can create pressure. Um, they've, they've, they've done it at just an insane clip over the last couple of weeks. And last week was just nuts. Um, I saw something else too. Um, both Nick Bosa and Samson have become are in next gen stats, uh, most uh, highest pressure rates over the last uh couple of weeks i think the last four or five weeks um so evacom's been turned out to be a useful player even if it took them a, a long time to get there but um they got the bodies it's just a matter of whether or not they can they can force it and if they can if they can create that pressure i think that's that's the way to 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 solve this passing defense it's the direction that this franchise has chosen to to take as, as far as passing defense goes so um they'll live and die by that but if if they can't find a way to control the ball the game on offense then it's going to be potentially tough sledding on the other side yeah and you're speaking of the dallas cowboys who own the number one offense in the league both in terms of scoring and total yards gained this season even though those include some uh stinker division wins over the eagles and i think washington earlier this year so uh, currently looking at this game, uh, our partners over at WinBet uh, have the Cowboys as three-point favorites. So if you're looking at the money line or the spread, rather, uh, three points, that's usually you know kind of an automatic grant to the home team. Kind of tells me that simple, hey, look, 49ers are a team nobody wants to, to see in the playoffs. 
I know that's what Rich Eisen was saying on his show. I know that's what Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football was saying on <laughs> on uh, this week too. And, and, and I will buy into that. Okay. The 49ers are a team that could be built to, to throw in some upsets during the postseason, potentially as soon as the wild card round. And maybe, just maybe, maybe going up to Green Bay in the divisional round and laying a haymaker on the Packers and for what it's worth, Aaron Rodgers owns an 0-3 record against the 49ers in postseason play. So make of that what you will. <laughs> uh, We're not getting ahead of ourselves or anything. Yeah, like not getting ahead of ourselves at all. But <laughs> it's just something on the – hey, you know what? I, I'm not going to take the Bill Belichick line. It's like, hey, no, we're focused on Dallas. Uh, <laughs> on the next, on, gonna, on to Cincinnati. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There you go. Um, so I guess on that note, let's come up with your predictions. <sighs> Man. Robert, what are you thinking? Uh, <sighs> winner, loser, score. Is it the shootout that you were mentioning? Is it going to be Kyle Shanahan saying, no, we're going to have nothing but 13-minute drives? What's going to happen? Well, um, I think if it's a shootout, that's bad news because um, I don't know that this 49ers team is is necessarily ready to – I mean, they haven't put up – we scored more than 34 points yet this year? I don't think so. I think that's the high on the year, 31, 34 points, something in that neighborhood. Um, oh, maybe they scored more than that against the – yeah, once against three times? One time, 30, 30, one more than 34. I think it was week one, wasn't it, yeah. against Detroit? Yeah, it was week one. Right. <laughs> so they haven't really done it. Um, that's, that's all I'm saying. Um, yeah. and, and that was, yeah, so that was week one, and it was a long time. That feels like 19 years ago. Um, so I think if it's if it's a shootout, that's a problem. I don't, I'm not sure that, especially Garoppolo in his state. I mean, even, even if you take into account that, you know, he just threw the ball 30, 32 times against the Rams on that bum thumb, um, whether or not his, his, his hand can handle, uh, hmm. uh, <laughs> another, another shootout kind of situation is another problem for sure to, to kind of keep track of. But, um, I, I think if the Niners are going to win, they're going to have to keep this more in the, like, in frankly, the point range that, that their last couple of games have been, um, in that, uh, the Rams game, I think is a pretty good example of, of the type of thing that they're, they're going to need to see. So, um, I'm feeling bullish. Uh, maybe it's it's just the euphoria of the of the win, um, but I, I think the the Niners win. I don't think they win by a, a lot. I think it's a, a close game. Another one where we're like you know biting our nails and you know calling our cardiologist after the game is over and those sorts of things. Um, I mean, I think that it goes that way. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go uh, 24 to 20. I think the Niners find a way to control the game don't allow uh, Dallas to score a lot of points and uh, ultimately pull out the victory. And maybe they get to go to green Bay or maybe they don't. We'll see. The, well I mean, the Eagles well could said. win. That's all I yeah. got to say. That's, that's possible too. <laughs> maybe they do. Maybe they don't. And then we get the, that, and yeah. then maybe we get the Rams again. Oh gosh. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> maybe that's why nobody wants to face the pointers in the playoffs. Cause one, the Rams. Yeah. Sean McVay can't get out from under uh, Kyle Shanahan's ownership. I saw this great tweet and I forget who said it. And, and I got to throw it out there. And it's so perfect. It said, Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay. Uh -huh. Sean McVay owns Pete Carroll. 
Pete Carroll owns Kyle Shanahan. At the very bottom, it said Cliff Kingsbury owns Cliff Kingsbury. And I was like, the same oh, thing. That's so right. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so right. I, I can't even describe how like that. Cliff Kingsbury owns absolutely falling apart over the last six weeks of the season. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to be shocked one bit. If they were, one. they were like what nine and zero or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. They won eleven games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> we, hey, you know what? I, I, I'm happy for the Cardinals fan base. I'm ha- happy for Kyler Murray and and you know, guys like AJ Green and stuff like that. But oh man, <laughs> just. Hey, go ahead, Cliff. I, you know, if you're one and done in the playoffs, everybody's going to be questioning you. Um, I don't know, whatever. Um, so <laughs> that's yeah. neither here nor there. We're we're getting sidetracked. As don't we... care about you right now. Yeah, don't care about you. Um, and then of course the Packers. Packers give up a lot of you know. Way of getting way ahead of myself again. Here we go. Hey, Packers don't good. do well against the run either. So maybe that's the the formula twice. But no, I'm going to go. I, I have this game and I think it's going to play out not quite as extreme or drastic as what happened in week 18. I don't think Cowboys are going to get out to some massive 17 nothing lead, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, you know, a 10-0 lead or like a 13-3 lead or something like that. So the score is going to have to get run up a little bit, but you know, the things the Cowboys do well, I think the 49ers can frustrate, not shut down. Cooper cup was insane. Uh, I mean, just absolutely insane. Uh, Odell Beckham jr. Was not quite as insane, but yeah, I had some moments, but uh, that wide receiving trio is going to do some damage. But at the same time, when you think a high powered offense, like the Rams, for whatever reason, is going to just go in and shred the 49ers all four quarters. It just doesn't happen. Uh, and I think the 49ers wind up frustrating Dallas enough to that point, and you get into a certain set where perhaps the 49ers wind up getting out to a fourth quarter lead, and then maybe forcing the Cowboys to be desperate, probably creating some of those scary moments, you know, in the fourth quarter or whatever, whatever. but uh, hey, Kyle Shanahan knows Dan Quinn's defense, Dan Quinn knows Kyle Shanahan's offense, that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Mike McCarthy just kind of stands on the sideline and Dallas has done well this season. Hey, he went to, he went and rested up on his, brushed up on his analytics when, when he wasn't a a coach, you know, you heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Learned all, he learned so many things about being the same person that he was a whole time he was in Green Bay. Here's your charts. (laughs) So, but yeah, you know what? I'm going to go all in on this 49ers 28, Cowboys 24. Uh, it, it, there's going to be some uh, excruciating moments there where it's, uh, you know, you're biting off your fingernails, but why not? Hey, this season's actually gone better than most of us ever thought it could. I mean, I remember when we were on a while ago in, in advance of the Rams game and we had Kyle Hughes check on and it was like, now it's doom and gloom. Below yeah. and below. So this is all house money right now. And hundred uh, percent. yeah, I, I, I'm more than uh more than stoked that it's actually about against the Cowboys. Normally I wouldn't say that, but I'm, I'm glad to see this uh, rivalry come back and I hope it stays. 
Yeah. Um, first of all, really bizarre to pick a Kyle Shanahan game that doesn't include a field goal. Just just, just going out there on a, on a limb. <laughs> you know, he loves his, he loves giving, you know, he's paying a lot of money for his kickers. So he's, he definitely tries to take advantage of that as often as possible. But um, yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, we did a podcast, I think like week eight or something like that. They were three and five and we were like, yeah, maybe this team's just not any good. <laughs> I remember that. And, yeah. and maybe they're not. Who knows? Maybe we'll look back at this and go, actually, they like massively outperformed themselves and had no business being in the playoffs. But I, I have a sneaking suspicion the opposite is true of this team, that they they just couldn't get it together at the beginning of the year. And they finally found their footing um, at the right time. I mean, still kind of stumbling and bumbling into this whole thing. You know, they could have clinched this cleanse the playoffs a couple weeks ago you know all they had to do is beat the titans and then beat the texans and then which they very well should have and they wouldn't have had this drama but it feels fitting somehow that it came down to this and that they're going to get a chance to to see what they can do in the in the playoffs in in a playoff year that feels i don't know just as wide open as as any that i can remember there's not any team that you look at and go oh yeah they're definitely going to win this thing like they're they're going to destroy everyone and and win the Super Bowl. It's just you just don't see it. It's there's not anybody that you're. Everybody has a weakness. Everybody has something that you know you 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 hit them in the right spot and they collapse a little bit. And um and that that's that's the NFC and the AFC. You look at the AFC and you're like the Titans are the number one seed. Well, the Niners very well should have beat them. Um you know granted that was without Derrick Henry and and he's looking to be back, but it it feels like a wide open opportunity and a good chance for this could be one of those weird weird years where you know a wild card team ends up in the in the playoffs or in the super bowl and and we talk about how strange a year that was and hey remember that time jimmy garoppolo won the 49ers super bowl and then got traded for two first round picks it was awesome yeah just, i just i would up. i would totally embrace that and i would embrace <laughs> it to the point it, and even if it's not the 49ers maybe I'm in the minority here, but I would totally embrace like some wild card teams or just teams that like you haven't talked about as much. I wouldn't mind the Titans making it to the Super Bowl. I really wouldn't. Uh, yeah. Tired of tired of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You know, yeah. Hey, great, great quarterback. You know, happy for Chiefs fans. Don't get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. the Chiefs sucked for a long, long time. That's it. Like, I know I get it. Uh, but Hey, Time for something else. Tired of hearing about Aaron Rodgers. Tired of hearing about Tom Brady. Although I did watch that. Uh, I don't know if you saw if you've seen it yet on. on I think Peacock it is, but the uh, Joe Montana cool under pressure. I have bio. not watched that yet. Now. Okay. Yeah, I've only watched two episodes. It's pretty good. Tom Brady makes his little cameo appearance and he's talking up Joe Montana. I'm like, okay, Tom. Like, you know, he, I mean, he knows what he's area. talking about. Right. He's, yeah, he's We're not. He's no. Page. He's no idiot. He's he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back on the same page. We're okay now. You know? <laughs> and then there was, of course, that video. Um, I don't know if you've seen that either, but I think it was the Buccaneers locker room. And they're mm-hmm. all watching the uh, the 49ers game. Like, everybody's sitting around. And then, yeah. of course, like, Brady's got his hands on his head, like, going, whoa! You know, that sort of kind of silly-looking Brady face when something, quote-unquote, miraculous happens. Like, And he's got that look when Avery Thomas picks it off and he high-fives guys. And I'm just like, right you're, you're still the 49ers fan that's right Deep Deep down. but no i don't want to hear about brady and the super bowl i don't want to hear about aaron Rodgers. i want to hear about patrick Mahomes. like I, 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 those stories have played out so many times oh aaron Rodgers only won one super bowl it, you know what 
you're given chance after chance after chance after chance every year. You know, and if I wasn't in the NFC West, I, I wouldn't even care. And if I was a neutral fan, I wouldn't even care about the Rams. Making this it is true. I'd be like, hey, cool, right? Matt Stafford, finally, good for him, whatever. But, yeah. So, we'll see. No, I, I fully agree with you on that. So, all right, Robert, well, let's get ready to wrap this up here. Where, where can people find us? Well, where are, people? Where are uh, people? Where are we? I don't even know. Um, well, we? you know, always, of course, we have uh, lots going on over at NinerNoise.com. Uh, lots of uh, writing there from lots of wonderful people. Um, and we're getting into the in these uh, playoff hunts and, and all the things that are going on with the playoffs getting started. And it's it's time like we're going to be hitting it really hard over the this next over the through this week and into the the game on uh, Sunday afternoon, which I'm, I'm honestly a little surprised that they didn't put this on the Monday night game, uh, to be totally honest with you. I think if the Rams and, and Cardinals had not been playing each other on the West Coast, they probably would have put it there. But, you know, I think the timing ended up working out. It, I think it ended up working out in our favor. We got Nance and Romo, so I'll, I'll, I'll take the trade off for, uh, for that. But, um, yeah, check, that, check out uh, NinerNoise.com, of course, as always, um, for all news and analysis and all the, all the things you need to know about, about the 49ers. Um, and then um, you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, Peter, you're at Peter Panacey. Um, and I am at RS underscore Morrison. We say lots of fun things, sometimes mostly about 49ers, sometimes, sometimes about other things. You know, just we got other things going on in the world. But um, if you want to hear about the, the Niners uh, from that perspective, that would be awesome. So please check us out there. Um, but, you know, we, we certainly appreciate you listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast. I'm just thrilled to be back, be uh, part of the, the crew again. I'm hoping to, to slide into 2022 with lots to do. Um, but uh, please, please, please um, hit that rate, the, the rate and subscribe button. Uh, it really helps us out a lot. Um, and if you could uh, leave us a review and say nice things, uh, we'd re- uh, also appreciate that as well. Um, and of course, please uh, share the podcast with all your fellow 49er fan friends, ladies and gentlemen. But until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.